Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. New Amsterdam Radio starts now, heading towards the home stretch of season six. And I want to thank you for checking out the massive week we had last week with so many different bonus episodes of the New Amsterdam canon. NewAmsterdam.com, Global Voice, here with you. You know, when I first started this podcast, the idea of it was really just sharing creative ideas because I thought that maybe you had some trepidation in starting your creative ideas. But as this show grown, I've grown as well. And being able to talk to people who have started their ideas and to build on those ideas is something pretty rad. Lisa Ulrich Verderber, who was my guest this week, is CEO of the Goodness Exchange. And she has a cool twist to it. Because not only is she taking a platform that's focusing on positive news content, she's doing it from across the world. She actually packed up, moved to Europe to work with her partner, and in the meantime, has her US-based business working double time to get those pages up to get that brand built. So it's kind of cool to talk with that, talk with her about that and what she's working on. So before I get to that, though, uh, newamsterdam.com is a website, but if you want early access to interviews quite like this, become a member of the Boisterous Crew. Patreon.com slash Boys. We have bonus content every month. And when you say bonus content, I'm talking about Flopito's Book Club, our book club review show, or stand-up comedy specials review as part of the Flopos on Netflix series. And this month, the debut of my next comedy single, Money Shuffle. You get early access if you are a member of the Boisterous Crew. Patreon.com slash Boys. But enough of me advertising. Here's my chat with Liesl. Welcome back to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. It is I, the mayor, Pluma Boys in the mayor's office, hanging with people who are doing the dang thing and they do it well. My guest today is making it happen in the CEO space, chief executive officer that has changed, especially through a pandemic. So please welcome, I'll make sure I get this right because I practice this all night. Liesl Ulrich Verderber. Perfect, perfect. Oh, you got it. I mean, you got like one. You're like one off, and that's it. I will. It's all reconcilable. It is not perfect. I, I can't. I forget it. Show's over. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, I, like I said, I've had Lysol, Yulrich Vanderberger. I've had right. every which way. So okay. I think you, you, it counts. Uh, okay, assuming Nine that my board is shattered, what was it actually? I'll make sure I get it right for your viewers. Liesl Ulrich Verderber. Oh, thank you so much for joining me and bailing me out. Like. <laughs> no worries, no worries. <laughs> so it's it's early morning here in Los Angeles. As I record this, about a little bit after 9 a.m., but it's it's evening where are you? Because you're in Slovenia. Uh, yes, how did that happen uh, on your business side of thing? How did that happen? Yeah, so um, I ended up in Slovenia. My uh, partner, he is a PhD student, and he applied for a Fulbright fellowship. Um, and he was looking at places, and I was like, I really like Slovenia. I visited here before. Uh, and he happened to have a person here who was going to be his advisor, and he got the Fulbright fellowship. And I'm a dual citizen with Ireland, so in the EU, and also oh. the US. And so um, I was able to move to Europe with him. And um, rent is much cheaper here than it is in Vermont. And so uh, 
hey, it worked out nice. There's a castle on the hill and I can walk down and get garlic from a little old lady every Saturday. I, feel like <laughs> I, I was about to say, like, you are oozing New England. I didn't, I didn't realize that until we get this in chat. Uh, for Brooklyn myself, I made those many trips to Hartford, my my brother. Yep, yep. Okay, nice, nice. So uh, the reason why I ask about your distance is that you are CEO of, I want to get this right, the Goodness Exchange, formerly known yep. as Ever Widening Circles. Uh, yep. How is the CEO life full stop, but how is it now definitely on the other side of the world? Yeah, it's really interesting. I think um, one of the things that I think has been super cool about the pandemic, obviously lots of things that were not cool about it, but it made us as a already digital company, like it gave us the space to go completely digital um, and break free of the, of the office. And so, yeah, it's been interesting. I've been trying out, I guess they call it the digital nomad life. Um, it's kind of nice as a CEO, because I think one of the things that happens all the time is we get super into our business and our employees are asking us questions and you're trying to be helpful to everybody and you like lose time in your day for just like kind of quietness and working on the stuff that you want to work on. And it's great because here I'm six hours ahead of my team on the East Coast. And so um, I can have my whole morning to like work on stuff quietly, read, kind of like, you know, synthesize what's going on in the in the wider like progress of the business. And then in the afternoon, I can have all my meetings, which is their morning. So I get them off to a good start. And then, you know, I will check, I will check the chat you know, at 11. Sometimes I'm trying to get better at that. But uh, yeah, no, usually wrapping up here about seven. Uh, so it's like one o'clock my team's time. So yeah, it's very interesting, for sure. And in your own words, what exactly is the goodness exchange? Yeah, so the Goodness Exchange, uh, we call it the home for goodness online. So we publish articles, we publish podcasts, and we have a community in-house there. We made our own social media site revolving around the people that are doing good in the world, that are making progress in the problems big and small that are happening in the world, uh, and trying to encourage other people uh, to go and contribute how they can. And especially during this time of the great sort of resignation, or great, we call it the great questioning, when people are deciding that they don't, they can live kind of in alignment with how they want to do good in the world and their skills and talents and also make a living out of that. Um, we're kind of, we very accidentally found our in ourselves in the space of offering people a, a perspective of what that kind of life can look like. Sure. Um, because we write about and interview people that have made that happen every single day. Uh, and those are the people that are the world game changers. So that's, that's what our community and our platform is doing over there. Why positive? The world's so much better when it's negative. There's no money in, in being unified. Conflict, conflict, conflict. Yeah, I mean, the positive situation, here's the thing, I am not a nationally positive person. I graduated from Harvard and I am like the most, I started off literally the most cynical person ever. Um, my mom actually started the company um, kind of as a, a blog on the side. Um, she's actually a dentist by trade, but she had noticed that her patients were getting like super, super like down about the world. These people that she'd seen for 30 years being like the most positive person when they walked into the room um, eight, 10 years ago, we're coming in and being more and more and more depressed. And obviously that has only continued to become worse. Yeah. And um, she got a, an email from a, a young man who had been a patient of her since he was like three. And he joined the military trying to find some way to like, I don't know, do good in the world. And he was at a really low place. And of all the people he reached out to when he was in that low place, he reached out to his dentist. <laughs> uh, which I think I think speaks volumes to the way in which my mom is a, a healthcare professional, like somebody who really cares about her her patients. And um, when and he was like, Doctor Linda, like, is there any? Can you please tell me that like there's some goodness in the world? And so she went online and she couldn't find any place that wasn't hyper politicized, uh, talking about the good that was happening in the world. And so my mom, being my mom, she's the kind of person that gets an idea and runs with it. 
um, decided that she would write one article every day on any subject under the sun that proved it was still an amazing world. Um, so that was like the original Everwinding Circles, uh, our, our former name kind of impetus. And then I came on to help her out. I'm sure I was like a terrible, I was like, okay, mom, you're nice, positive news website. Okay. Okay. Right. I was like, <laughs> I'm sure I was a delight at Thanksgiving dinners. So like, to be honest. Um, but then I came in and I joined in to like help out with the design and build out a new website and kind of help her with how did she, did she wanted to like retire to this thing? She wanted this to be what she did the rest of her life. And I loved the building of the, of the thing. I loved the building of the business side of it, making it sustainable. Uh, and so I fell in love with that. I fell in love with educating young people about the goodness happening in the world. Um, and I think it, it did change my perspective entirely. So I don't think I'm a naturally cynical person anymore. I think something got rewired in my brain after eight years. So I guess yeah. it works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not only a CEO, but also a client. Uh, <laughs> you had mentioned uh, ever widening circles. Why the rebrand and why then? Yeah, yeah. So we rebranded in uh, December of this year. And I think it was really important for us. We had built out all of these different platforms to sort of help form community, publish the art articles. We had the podcast, we had all these different platforms and they really didn't, they weren't talking to each other. And I feel like we weren't giving our, um, our community a great space to come together. Uh, mm -hmm. And so we decided to take everything that we were doing, all those sort of disparate parts and put it into one place that people could go to and be a part of and be a member of. Um, where everything was housed together and where that community could start to talk to each other, lean on each other and stop feeling a bit like they were like pinpoints of people believing it was still good out there in the world and really have a place to come together and be supported. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Let's, let's talk about what it means to be a CEO, especially at your level. I know there's stakeholders of different sizes and shapes and equity. Uh, what do they look for? What do they ask for when you have to report to them? What do they want the, the brand to be? Yeah. I think a big thing for us is um, trustworthiness, right? Like I think our biggest stakeholders when we think about it is our end user. And for us, that comes with <clears throat> trustworthiness. We're really mission driven. Are we love to focus on being curious, uh, taking joy into all we do, and also being really conscious that people come to the table with lots of different perspectives and how do we include as many people and make the table bigger as we go. Um, and so for us, it's really about building this trustworthiness, right? So, you know, we've thought about all these methods of, I mean, how do you become a sustainable business online? It's really hard to be a content creator, create great content and have a sustainable business. And it was really important to us that we didn't take advertisements, that we weren't owned by some other larger company that could, you know, wanted us to move in this direction or the other, that we could really start to speak directly down the middle to people and say, hey, this is what we can all agree is still good about the world, right? No matter your yeah. political background, let's start with like where we agree and then we can have difficult decisions or difficult conversations. Yeah. So for us, our biggest stakeholder and I, and I, even though I know there's so many forces for any business owner, I think that as a business owner, it's so important to remember to be trustworthy. And then you have to figure out what trustworthiness means to your end user, your end, you know, um, client or customer uh, is what is trustworthiness. So for us, it's remaining building trustworthiness. And for us, that looked at the direction of creating a sustainable business through having these these very small membership fees that people are a part of um, to make sure that they can 
they're in a place where they feel supported and they're not getting bombarded by the negativity of other social media sites. I have to ask a question uh, to a fellow chief executive. Is there mm. a moment that you have, and it can be rare or frequently, where you like, you know, you kick back and go, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm, I'm building something. Or mm. is it because every day you're in the trenches, it's hard to have those moments? Like, no, no, I'm just one of the guys. Or by guys, I mean, it could be whatever's your team. Yeah. Uh, you can call him one of the guys. That's fine. I yeah. sleep for many years. Uh, I went to many a boys basketball camp. Um, yeah. So I think one of the things that's, yeah, and I think it really is very hard to keep your head up, especially if your business is not directly interacting people, I think within, with people. And, and maybe, you know, this is the content or feel this as a content creator is like somebody complimenting you in person is a whole different feeling than someone like writing a nice comment on, on a post or putting a nice review. I I am someone who is like a very social extrovert. And so it is kind of hard for me to feel like I'm getting the sort of social connection that I really want from my work. Uh, and I think that I'm trying to get better at appreciating and having gratitude for the life that this lets me live, for um, the ways in which I can be creative and as a CEO in ways that I might not be able to in other business spaces. So yeah, I think that is one of the hardest things that I struggle with personally is being able to look up and get out of the trenches because I'm a very in the trenches with my team kind of leader yeah. um, is looking up, um, taking people when they appreciate or have gratitude for our business, taking it and remembering that like, you know, if, if 4,000 people open my email, like that can feel like nothing in an online world. You're like, Oh, whatever, 4,000 people. It's not the 2 million that I, you know, this guy has on YouTube. But if 4,000 people were sitting in a room in front of you you would be overwhelmed with that. If 50 people were in right. front of you and responding to your questionnaire, you would be, or like saying directly to you, this is what I love about your business. You would be overwhelmed. If 200 people came and complimented you all at once, you'd be overwhelmed. So that is the thing that I have to keep remembering all the time is that in an online world, you know, what people say online, imagine all those people in one room together. That yeah. would be pretty incredible. How do you and your team celebrate wins? Like back then? Yeah. Okay. We actually, so we actually have a group chat called the wins and whenever there is a win, <laughs> we, we put it in there and then we celebrate it with each other. So whether that's getting a big podcast guest or even something like somebody sending us a nice email, we'll forward it to the whole team. Like it's really important to us to celebrate the wins. It's a part of our, um, it's a part of our Monday meetings. We, we have a wins section of our Monday meeting where we talk about the wins from the previous week. Um, and yeah, so I think celebrating the wins for us is a, pretty much daily habit. It's something that we really try, gratitude is something we really try and carry through. It's part of the culture of the business. I'll take a step back. When you got uh, the the proto business and, and you're building mm -hmm. this brand up, there, there was that moment when you had to decide, hey, look, I can't do this myself. Like even Superman had super dogs. Like what, what like what, what that getting that first employee, that first team member, was it, was it nerve wracking? Was it like having someone hold a baby? Was it like, oh no, it has to happen? Walk me through that. So I think I, I have like a funny story. So we, I like walked, I, I very tenderly walked into the employee thing and I had, um, I had interns and my first intern, basically what happened was we built a new site and we had to edit every single one of our then 300. Now we have, you know, 2000 articles, but then it was 300 articles that I had to go through and edit every single one. I was like, there's no way I can't do this. This is not humanly possible. So I had to bring on my first intern who was this wonderful woman who was older than me. It was like this very weird thing. I was like a 22 year old telling like a 35 year old what to do. It was one of those moments where I really had to like decide kind of what my leadership style was. Was it somebody who worked in the trenches? Was it somebody who like, what was it? Right. 
And I think I remember very distinctly that day that she and I were sitting in the office together and we both felt such a sense of reward working on it together that yeah. that kind of, I think, shaped my leadership style altogether. It was like, I love working in the trenches with my team when things are hard because we can experience that same amount of gratitude together and I can really deeply appreciate what they do. Um, and so then I think from there, that opened up the door to me realizing like, I love the, 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 I love coaching and being a, a leader. Um, yeah. Like, I think I'm a leader first, as opposed to just like, even like a CEO, like I love to coach people into becoming their best kind of self as an employee. And so I actually loved and welcomed bringing on those new employees. It did never feel like I was handing over the baby. It really felt like I was, it was like this extra bonus that I got to do in coaching people to be, to like take what they loved, the work they were doing. And then, you know, work for me, like, it's so strange, but I love that yeah. coaching aspect of it. So it never felt like a, a great burden to bring people on, I will say. I think that is something that people, I still struggle with delegating, but it's never felt like a burden to bring people on. Right. Uh, was there ever a pressure to get a quote unquote real job from, from the family or friends or teachers? Yeah, I think, yeah, that's a really, that's a hard one. So I think, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, it is, it's still hard even to this day to like talk to my peers. Like I went to Harvard and they're all like doctors or, you know, been in finance for years or are making like an act, their bank accounts are huge. And I'm just like, I'm still plugging, you know? Yeah. And um, it is really hard. Cause I think sometimes when you work for yourself, I, I know for me, you kind of, you're like, Oh, is this legitimate? Like, is this legit? Like, Am I just working on this because I love it? Or is it like a real big girl job? You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, I think that there was pressure. And I think there was pressure too from my community. Like I had been kind of a standout athlete and I had been a standout uh, student. And I was the person who went to hard from this tiny town in Northern Vermont. And when I moved back, which is what made sense like financially and also my business partner is my mother. So when I moved back to this town, I mean, I had old teachers kind of like ask me why I was back and what I was doing there. And and I wow. I think they were like a little disappointed that I like wasn't in a bigger space because I don't think yeah. they quite understood what I was doing. And they were like, you know, we, we raised you to kick you out of the nest. Get out, you know? And I was like, no, no, like this is a, a, a beautiful spot. I absolutely love it here. Um, and be like, this is what makes sense for my business and for my mental health and financially for me to be here now. Um, so I think there is like a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves about where we're, we think we're supposed to be when we're on the entrepreneurial journey. Um, and sometimes that can reflect back on us from, you know, friends and family and, and even community as well. No, oh, you're right. No, you're absolutely right. I'm, I remember like getting a real job. My parents were immigrants and um, my mom was a nurse and my dad was an electrical engineer. And I, at the time, wanted to make movies. And I was like, what? <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> Be sacrificed to do what? Uh, so I, I totally get that. Uh, yeah. But but you had mentioned uh, the, the mental health aspect. I know it's a daily like balance of, of, of personalities and projects and deadlines and stress and the home life. How do you get yourself back to zero? How do you get yourself present mm. in the moment? How do you help the mental health? Yeah, I think for me, a big thing is a having like quiet time to myself, I realized I've just realized that that is really important to me, especially moving to an entirely other country that when you move to a place where no one speaks their language, and where you are completely the outsider, um, you get kind of a slap in the face of like, what are my you, you, all of your like, sadnesses get exposed, all of your anxieties right. get exposed. Right. I think that a taking time to like, just quietly 
wake up and move into my day, I feel very privileged. And if you are a CEO who has the privilege of making your own or an entrepreneur has the privilege of making your own kind of schedule, think about what you need and structure your day around that. Um, That has been huge. And then another thing is just like really getting into exercise. I think that was something that I like, I know that's really cliched. It's so cliched, but like I had let that go for a long time and not prioritized it. Um, but I'm, what do you I'm do? an athlete at heart. Um, so I um, am currently training for a 64-mile gravel ride out in no. Steamboat um, no. in this summer in August. Um, I don't know how I got to gravel biking. All I do know, my partner's a big cyclist. And I used to be a runner, um, but my back went out. And so cycling, my knee surgeon – oh, and I have bad knees. So my knee surgeon and my spine doctors are glad that I am not running anymore, but now cycling. So – uh, I'm doing a lot of cycling and cross training. <laughs> My goodness me. I thought, yeah, I go for walks around. No, like, no 64 miles. <laughs> Props yeah, to you. I can I, do it. I, Props to you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I'm doing it either. I, I The most I've ever cycled is 45 miles. So I don't know what I'm trying to do here, but yeah. it's nice to have a real big goal to try and achieve. Hey, goals are goals are important. They, they are I, yeah. goals I would never do, but uh, yeah, are, no. Had you asked me two years ago, I've been like, ah, no, no, <laughs> no, no. Uh, there's a there's a debate that we have uh, business owners have, and, I, and I've seen both sides. So I want to know where you land on this. And mm-hmm. um, of course, the follow up question is why or why not? But do mm-hmm. you consider yourself self made? Uh, no, I don't. I can't say that I am. You know, like I think I come at this with like a lot of privilege. I had the privilege to have parents who would let me stay in the house, you know, like live in their basement for a long time. I come from like a very, I, I will admit, I come from a very privileged background of like a two doctor household and a background that says Harvard on it. That's not to say I didn't work very, very hard for all of the things that have gotten me to where I am. But I do need to recognize that like I had a lot of like, stair steps on the way there. Um, And so I don't think I'm self-made because I was made by a lot of people who invested a lot of time and energy and financials and they invested a lot in me as a person. And so that's not to say that I don't appreciate where I'm at, but I think that I do have to recognize how privileged I am um, in order to like say that, no, I don't think I'm self-made, but I think a lot of people made me and I appreciate so deeply every single one of them um like so so deeply i, I always go back and forth for myself so it's cool to hear other perspectives on that question you know yeah. uh but sorry that was, that's, what, sorry, that's my deepest question i promise you but here's no, a no, that's <laughs> here's a follow-up for you uh how would you describe your home life you know you're in a different country now you're getting just the things i mean you're with a partner so you're not totally out there alone but like no. what's that look like between doing the work and the home life and, and seeing the, the sites and all that mm. Yeah, it's it's really actually I think it's one of the hardest things to do is to try if you're thinking you're going to go be a digital nomad. Here's my suggestion. Live in a place for two or three months, probably not six months or like we're living here for the whole year, because what happens is you do the same thing you do at home. Like things you're like, oh, I'll go to that museum or I'll go to that place another weekend. This week, I'm just going to chill. Right. And I think what happens is you get kind of like stuck in the normalcy of it because not only are you trying to navigate living in a new place, you're also navigating a full-time job. You're also navigating a time difference. So for me, it's take it's taken me like four months to adjust to the full-time job, the trying to have quiet time, the new routines, st- literally starting a new business while like rebranding our entire business right. while we're we're six months, six hours ahead. It's it's tough. 
So I think that we're, I'm finally finding a rhythm that's working um, that, like I mentioned at the top, like I'm doing a little bit of work in the morning. I'm doing, I'm like doing a lot of stuff before my team is even awake. And that's really nice for me. I don't feel obligated to be like on the horn all the time. Yeah. Um, but also I think it is a matter of like, I'm still working out how to appreciate the the new place that I'm living in and being able to absorb that at the same time. That's something I don't think I've quite mastered. And I don't think I've mastered stateside either. So um, yeah, it is a process that you consciously have to work towards. If that's what you want, right. you're not just going to suddenly have a work-life balance once the work gets done. You just get in the habit of doing the work till 7 p.m. You have to like consciously be like, okay, today I'm going to like peel, I'm going to, this week, I'm going to stop a half hour earlier. And the next week I'm going to stop a half hour earlier. You really have to make that conscious decision. That's what I'm learning this year for sure. Oh, that's actually my next question. Like good things to know and pull from because you're doing it. You're doing it every, every day. And I know that's something that a lot of us who have our own gigs are like, ah, well, I, I work. And we kind of, I don't know how it is in other cities, but definitely in Los Angeles, we kind of outbiz oh, each yeah. other. You know, hey, bro, I got up at 12 midnight. I go to bed at 1130. It's like, okay. <laughs> I was recording podcasts till 2 a.m. And then I was editing my own podcast, which I could outsource to other people, but I got to do my, you know, it's like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm not saying that wasn't a personal example pointed at you. Also explore. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, you have to be so conscious about the life that you wanna lead. Like I think here's the thing that when you're an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, and if you're a CEO of your organization, or if you're starting an organization, you you are in a position to like do what works for you. Like mm-hmm. if you and and like and obviously you do have to work within constraints, but like, think about what your ideal life would look like in 10 years and then work backward or five years or one year. Think about what your ideal life is, literally like write it down. It's not a manifesty thing. It's just like, we get busy sometimes and we forget that like, oh yeah, that's what my goal was. Uh, and then you have to like actually work towards it every week. Like I have like a literally a spreadsheet that has like, here's what I want to be at in five years and two years and one year. And yeah. then like every month I like have to check in and be like, did I actually move from 60 hours a week to 40 hours a week of work? Okay. Yeah, I did. All right. Now let's try and reduce it so you can bring on another project. You know, yeah. it's just so about being conscious of the life you want to lead and then building a business toward it, toward it, like make the business work for you, not you like work like for the business. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is there anything is there any you could share with us? Like anything that's not proprietary? Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I think like for me, one of the big things is, Um, I'm trying to balance also bringing on some consulting clients for like helping businesses that want to do good in the world and nonprofit organizations understand how to navigate the the online world. Like, do I really need to have a marketing expert or what the hell is SEO? Or do I need to be on 15 different social media platforms? And this guy says I need an email list. And this guy says I need to be on Forbes. You know, like poor people, like when we suffered with it for eight years, we were pulled in all directions. So Right now, what I'm trying to do is like consciously make time to like decrease my time on one project so that I can start increasing my time on this consulting gig that I really am working on. And now I have the time to do that in my schedule. But it took me like four months of planning to carve out the time. And each week I had to decrease my to-do list a little bit and delegate a little bit and decrease and delegate and decrease and delegate. It didn't happen overnight. And now I have the space and now I'm working with people. And it's just so fulfilling to know that, okay. Like I made the conscious effort. If I had just been like, oh, I really want to do this consulting thing. And then not thought about like time as a, as a real construct, yeah. I would either be a overworking or b never be like, why can't I figure out how to do this? Cause I had to like 
actually make the time who knew uh, i'm so glad you mentioned that because like so many people in that, that first year that first two years there are just a bunch of apps are looking for businesses quite like yours to, to do this <laughs> and that you're like i don't know what works do i throw money at things do i just grind do i sell the lemonade stand mm -hmm. do i do i get an inflatable tube guy outside my lemonade stand no nobody really knows yeah that. it's uh, so hard and i think it can get so overwhelming, especially if you go into business, which I think so many people that like go into business, they do it because they like love the thing. And then they fall out of love with it because especially it used to be like, be nice to your customers, have a clean store, like advertise everyone's like support the local soccer team every now and again, and like be a good member of the community. And those are like the things. And now there's like Yelp reviews and Google reviews and my social media presence. But wait, I hate social media. How am I supposed to keep up with that? Like, there's so many things. And you've got like people coming out in your inbox being like, hi there. I noticed that online that you like don't have a great social media presence. Do you want us to help us? It's for this low, low cost of like absurd amount. Thank you so much for your time. And then you're yeah. like, is this real? Do I need to worry about this? Like, what the hell is SEO? Like, it's just, there's so many messages that are happening online for people that really want to do good like, and have good business and be good employers or be, it's like, it's so overwhelming. And yeah, I'm really passionate about helping people figure out what works sustainably for them to help them like both business plan and also kind of a little bit life plan so that they can actually like get their business out there and be working in an organization that like aligns with their personal goals and then find the people as employees and also as customers or clients that align with, with their personal values as well. I think that's a really a big thing that people we used to do, but what does that look like in the, in the in online world? And so I'm really passionate about helping organizations and businesses and nonprofits get that, get, get their authentic, I, I call it authentic branding. It's not, it's kind of like an annoying word, but it's like yeah. what authentically works for us so that we don't feel burnt out at the end of the day. Or like, it's annoying. I had no idea. <laughs> it's a worldview authentic. authentic branding. Like it's just like such a, term <laughs> you your authentic branding like no 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 like I'm, i don't want to say like, no i want to be like what works for you what makes you like still like what you're doing every single day that would right. be authentic to me right so i don't mean authentic branding with like a with like a eh, kind of way more like a, let's do something that works so you can keep doing what you're doing <laughs> Yeah, we'll keep doing what you're doing. Goodness Exchange is on live now in the midst past the rebrand, but more things are happening down the pipe. If someone wanted to connect with that brand, how do they go about doing that authentically? Yeah, authentically. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so best way to reach us is goodness-exchange.com. Goodness uh, you can also find us on all social media platforms. Just search The Goodness Exchange. Um, and then if you want to connect with me directly, I'm at Liesl, L-I-E-S-L dot U-V uh, on Instagram. And I love uh, talking to people over there, helping them out with uh, what I can in their own organizations. And um, yeah, I think just in general, come join us. We have a, um, do sign up for our newsletter on the site, goodness-exchange.com. Um, and that way you'll get updates on um, our latest stuff and our Friday newsletter, which is, I think it's pretty great. Lots of people love it. Uh, it's, it's like a roundup of goodness from the week uh, from our site, as well as from outside places as well. So there's good in the world. We just got to know about it. Appreciate that. Uh, before we get out of here, just personal question. Favorite yeah. junk food? Ooh. Ooh. Okay. So top, no, it's Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Cinnamon Pop-Tarts. Oh, wow. That's, that's a deep cut. Not many people say that. That's cool. <laughs> I didn't. So I grew up in a house of like kind of hippies. Like we didn't, I didn't have orange cheese, fake food, pop, like none of that. Like my parent, my mom sent me to school with 
fruit leather during an era of fruit roll-ups. No oh, one was going to trade snacks with me. Like, absolutely. it was not great. So, like, I am still enamored by, like, orange cheese. Love it. Um, and Pop-Tarts were, like, something secret that a grandmother figure of mine used to, like, slide, slide me under the table. She felt bad. So, I always think of uh, Audrey whenever I have one of those. Nothing better than like empty calorie contraband for kids. Uh, thanks for being on the show. You know what I'm saying? We're in the podcast for creatives. Hey, before you go, just want to say my book, Graduation Day, Life Lessons from the Real World, is now available on Amazon. You know, the concept of the book comes from when I graduated college and I wasn't impressed about my commencement speaker and what he had to say. And I said, I had some life experiences. Let me go back in time to a proverbial time machine and tell young for me things I learned as an adult. I share stories about the time where I almost died riding a motorcycle or the time where I had no money but decided to do a wedding in Italy, DJ a wedding in Italy to save my business and much, much more. Graduation Day, Life Lessons from the Real World is available on Amazon. Just look for me at Global Voice. Thanks so much for listening to New Amsterdam Radio. Learn more about the show at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W Amsterdam.com. Until next time, this city is yours.